Well, it is uh, middle of February or close enough to the middle of February. And uh, often what we do is we have a time to uh, answer some questions of yours and work through. Sometimes it's, it's relationship stuff. Sometimes it's, you know, personal growth. Sometimes it's like dating relationships. Lots of times it's platonic friendship stuff we talk about. Uh, and so what we're actually going to talk about uh, the next couple of weeks is also the relationship with ourselves, our body. Uh, we're looking at a biblical understanding and, and a view on how we are to look upon ourselves. Um, and Kim's going to share tonight about that. And then next week we'll do, uh, I'll continue on in the series in regarding of how we are to uh, look upon others in relationships and the dynamics and different relationships that we have and a biblical view on how we look up, uh, towards each other. Uh, and so Kim, won't you come on up? Following her, her uh, chat tonight and then following mine next week, we will have some Q&A. Uh, and so Kim will give some direction about that. But God bless you as you preach tonight. Yeah, so it's Chapel Chats. Chapel Chats. Okay, yeah, so like Gavin was saying, for the next two weeks, it's Chapel Chats, and this is sort of the structure of it. So for the first little bit, I'm going to do a little bit of a chat, um, and then, and it'll be short, short and sweet and to the point, and then we're going to change the scenery and, um, and we're going to hop up, up on the stage, throw a, a, a couple of chairs, or actually we're going to throw a, a couch up this time. Uh, if you've been here before, we did some chairs. Or, but this week, we, this week and next week, we've decided to do our chapel chats just a little bit different. So what we've decided to do is in years previous, when we've done chapel chats, Gavin would ask me questions, I'd ask Gavin questions, we'd chit-chat together, have some fun, we're all in it together, having a good time. And that was fun, and we thought, how could we, like, do the same thing but different? So, um, we decided, let's, let's get somebody in on this, on this to, like, represent. Um, so, we've asked Peter for tonight, we got two people. So Peter is going to be hosting Chapel Chats with Kim and Gav. So that <laughs> with Kim and Gav. Yeah. Uh, so that is, uh, that's what our form is going to look like for tonight and for next week. And, uh, and we are talking about my body and somebody. So let's all say my body, somebody. Excellent. Well, as we're talking about my body, I'd like for you to just check in with your body for a sec. Just check in. Is somebody touching your body? Is that okay with you? <laughs> you know, are your hips touching and does that make you feel uncomfortable? Or is that okay for you? Uh, I have a pretty healthy personal bubble, so I like a little bit of space. Not everybody's like that. I'd like for us to just even check in and uh, have a seat, like get comfy a little bit, sit in a comfy, comfy seat in a kind of comfy way. And I'd like for you to just wiggle those toes. Feel those toes just a wiggle. All right, so those are those toes working well. And then we're gonna work up our body. Can you feel your ankle holding your foot, connecting your leg. And then as you're, as you're sitting there, how do your knees feel? Are they sore? If they're not, it's because you're under the age of 40. Oh, well, you're close. You're close. Mark, how are your knees feeling? Oh, Mark's knees are feeling good. Great. All right, we're moving on up. How are those hips feeling? Pretty bad. Some of you got some sore hips. You might, you might feel your sit bones on your seats. Perhaps that's comfortable or uncomfortable. Then how's your back feeling? Not good. Perhaps you need to work on your posture. All right. Is your, are your shoulders feeling tight or are they feeling loose? How are they feeling? 
Maybe if it was back day yesterday, you're feeling it in your back. Ben, I saw that head nod. I saw that. Um, yeah. All right. How's our neck doing? Tense. Hey, yo. <laughs> Tense. There's a mark paper due today. It's tense. Perhaps as even as you're feeling it, the way that you're, how your head is sitting on your neck, it's feeling kind of maybe foggy in there or heavy or maybe there's a headache. But this is your body. This is your body. <laughs> Somebody. This is my body. That's your body. This is who God made you to be. That, who God made you to be, is sitting in the chair that you're in. Oh, cute. So years ago, Pope John Paul II, he decided that he was going to take his weekly homilies on Wednesday, and he was, oh, a lot like the Summit Pacific Chapel, and he was going to take some time, and he was going to work on the theology of the body. And so... He spent a lot of time talking about the body. He believed that the world needed a Christian voice on the issues of the body. And he, as he put it, that there was a divine dignity of the human body. That the body mattered to God. That it needed to matter to us. He addressed things like freedom and truth, the gift that is the body. He addressed communion, dignity, the purpose and the meaning of the body, how we love with our body, what it means to be the personhood in our body. And he addressed this with, this with great importance and great passion. Um, and he addressed our physical bodies and human sexuality to push back on Gnosticism. Gnosticism, for those of us who may not know, or just a quick catch up, it means, it comes from the word knowledge, and it, and it started back in like the first century. And it was this heretical idea, this, this movement that believed, that essentially said that the real you lives inside of you, but your body doesn't matter. And it would say that the body actually can't be trusted and that the body isn't good. In fact, it would say that the body is evil. And while this idea was considered heretical, this is not a good teaching, this is not true, this idea sort of like seeped into our human experience. And so this is why John Paul the Pope decided that he was going to speak to it. It's suggested by um, an author that we're sort of in a neo-gnosticist, ooh, easy for you to say, you know what I'm saying, a neo-gnosticism season, where, oh, say that five times fast, oh gosh, and the reason why he said that is because it's based on this idea that we are reconstructing our bodies, we are in a season that doesn't trust our bodies anymore to represent ourselves. And we might not say that, oh, like our, we might not be at a place that says we want to reconstruct our bodies or, but I've heard it said from people who are followers of Jesus that our bodies are just sacks of meat that hold our souls. Have you ever heard that concept before? We're just like, you know, just a bunch of skin that hold our souls, as if our souls is the most important part of ourselves. But our bodies and our souls are completely tied together. They are, uh, we are to, if we're to embrace the gift that is our life, we have to be a part of involving practices that deal with our bodies and our souls. They're completely connected. That's why John Paul, the, John Paul II wanted to embrace the gift of our souled bodies or our embodied souls. Your body matters to God. Your body matters to God. My body matters to God. 
The way we think about our bodies matters. The way we think about our bodies matters in how we connect with God. And the way that we think about our bodies connects with how we can connect, connects, helps us with how we connect with each other. Goodness. You guys are in for a good ride tonight, it seems. Okay, so the reason why we know that bodies are important for God is because he is Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus is God incarnate, embodied. Jesus, he experienced birth. He laughed. He played. He got hurt. I'm sure he got a scraped knee. His feelings were hurt, I'm sure. He experienced pain. He would have sweat. He would have brushed his teeth. I know. I know. He would have known the power of touch and the, the importance of hug. He would have known that. He would have been, he was a physical human being. He cried. He breathed. He was tired. He was wounded. He stopped breathing, and he died. But when Jesus rose from the dead, he did so embodied. He rose from the dead. We sang about it. He is alive, living and breathing, right? Like, we... <laughs> Jesus rose from the dead alive, embodied. He showed himself physically. Mary embraced him. He showed his scars in his body. It was so important to Jesus that his disciples knew that he was embodied after his, after his death. In Acts 1.3, it says he presented himself to them and gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. His body mattered. Jesus ascended to heaven, embodied. He healed bodies. He transformed bodies. He gave grace to bodies that were disgraced by others. His body died so that our bodies could live. That's what we just sang. Death isn't going to hold you, so death isn't going to hold me. We, he is embodied. And it matters because so are we. So, we think that our bodies matter, hopefully, because our bodies are souls, are sold. It's not just skin. There is a divine unity between our bodies and our souls, and Jesus incarnate reminds us of this fact. So, if our bodies matter to God, do they actually matter to us? Do they actually? So collectively, as humans, we're super confused about our bodies, hey? We're pretty confused about our bodies. Uh, we change our bodies. We abuse our bodies. We sexualize our bodies. We want to avoid our bodies, right? There's an entire world out there that we could create an avatar and we can live a life that is absolutely outside of our body. And that, for some, feels more true to who they are than to live their life within their body. We are pretty confused about our bodies. Now, that might be the world out there. We might say, that's not really us. Here we are. We're, we're here. We've checked in with our bodies. Our hips hurt, right? We know our bodies. Um, but perhaps we might feel things like, or we might have thoughts where we would say, I wish I was taller, or I wish I was shorter, or I wish I was smaller, or I wish I was larger, or I wish I was louder, or I wish I was quieter. We would say those types of things. We wish our bodies were different. Perhaps it goes a bit deeper than that, where we would say, why does my body need to be in so much pain? Why does my body hold on to anxiety the way that it does? Why does my brain work the way that it does or doesn't work the way that I want it to? Why does my, why? Why is my body sexual if I'm not married? 
Why? We have all of these questions about our bodies, and these questions suggest that our bodies aren't good, or that they're not good enough, or they're not holy enough. But I would like to suggest three things. Number one, our bodies are good. Our bodies have divine purpose, and our bodies are the means of receiving God's grace. So let's break this down a little. Number one, the body is good. Everyone say, my body is good. Okay, how fun. All right, so for those of you who are doing your Pentateuch paper and you're working on creation, you would know... You're done. Woohoo! All right. All right. <laughs> Somebody. <laughs> you know, in creation, we know this. We know it. God created, He said it was good. God created, He said it was good. God created, He said it was good. And then God created humanity and said it was very good. Now, God didn't just create humanity's souls and say, hmm, very good. No. God created humanity, a body, breathed his spirit breath into that body's nostrils, and that body came to life, and he said, it's very good. Very good. Bodies are very good. There is nothing wrong with the male body. There is nothing wrong with the female body. God made male and female, in his image, and it is very good. So, let's respect what God made, hey? Let's respect what God made. Secondly, bodies have divine purpose. Now, we talked about how Jesus was embodied and, and how he had a divine purpose. He healed, he restored, he redeemed humanity in his body, and we are invited into his kingdom purpose in our bodies. Therefore, our bodies have divine purpose. We cannot serve. We cannot love. We cannot give. We cannot encourage. We cannot teach, preach, or heal outside of our bodies. We have to use our bodies. So our bodies have a divine purpose to point to the mystery and the beauty of God. So, our bodies have a divine purpose. Third, our bodies are the receiving means of God's grace. Through things like communion, baptism, in our serving, in our limitations, in our marriage, in our celibacy, through our bodies, we receive the grace of God. Right? Somebody, thank you, Raiden. So then how do we live in our bodies? How do we live in these bodies? If bodies are good, if they have a divine purpose, if they are the means of receiving God's grace, then how do we live in them? I will provide only three thoughts about this because that's what people do when they preach. Um, and, we, and I'm connecting them with these three concepts. So one, if bodies are good, let us care for God's creation. So first off, how do we live in our bodies? We care for them. We care for them. Now, the first thing that God said to humanity before, before he said, be fruitful and multiply, before he said that, he said, take care of the garden. Take care of my creation. Take care. Work and take care of my creation. I'd like to suggest that he might do this. He might say the same for us. Do some good work to take care of my creation. Yes, we are to take good care of our of creation, of our environment, of our world. We are also supposed to take good care. Do the work to take good care of our environment and our world, our bodies. Now, I'm not talking about just doing a Netflix night or throwing on a face mask. Now, those are nice, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the good work for caring for our bodies. 
So let's see what um, what Paul is talking about in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12. There's a bit of a spicy section here. Uh, yeah. Uh, so let's just take a look at, at bit, some chunks of it, okay? So in verse 12, Paul says, You say, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. And even though I'm allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. You say, food was made for the stomach and the stomach for food. Well, this is true, though. Someday, God will, uh, God will do away with both of them. But you can't say that our bodies were made for sexual immorality. They were made for the Lord, and the Lord cares about our bodies. Ha! Huh, right there, in Scripture! Okay, and... God will raise us from the dead by his power, just as he raised our Lord from the dead. So then Paul goes on to talk about, uh, and he warns, don't have sex out of marriage. Now, he does talk about a prostitute, but concept is don't have sex outside of marriage because he talks about what happens in uh, and the connectivity when people have sex and through sex. And then he says, run away. Just Run from having sex with other people that aren't your spouse. Run away. And then he talks about how God desires to have a relationship, unity, and connectivity with us. And this has to do with our bodies. So then we jump back into verse 19, and it says, Do you not know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. So knowing that our bodies were made for the Lord and the Lord cares about our bodies frames Paul's concept of self-care, which is connected to self-discipline. In light of Paul's, uh, in light of this, Paul speaks about that soul-embodied care, self-discipline. I know I'm allowed to do anything, he says, but everything isn't good for me. And even if I'm allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to everything. He says, caring for our bodies through self-discipline, recognize what is good for us. Not just the things that we could do, but the things that are good for us to do. This is a way that we can care for the good creation that is our bodies. Now, for Paul, it's a broad stroke, food to sex. Uh, but Paul addresses the care for our bodies. And I think that we need to heed the wisdom here in all aspects of our lives as we care for what God has created, us, the totality of who we are. Let us implement self-discipline. How we care for our bodies is directly related to how we care for our souls. And our soul, and we are, and our bodies, is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, the connection, let's like not miss the connection, that the Holy Spirit, who resides within us, his fruit overflows within us, i.e. self-discipline. Therefore, we are able to care for the temple of the Holy Spirit. So it's not on our own that we do this work, but, but we are but through the power of the Holy Spirit who resides within us. So let us care for our bodies. So let's talk practically for just a little bit. Number one, let's give our bodies the sleep that it needs to accomplish the things that you want it to accomplish. Right? We have a lot to do. We got a lot to do with our bodies. Let's rest it when we need to and, and rest it well. Let's nourish our bodies well. Nourish our bodies well, right? That might mean that we have to eat some vegetables. I know that I don't need to eat my vegetables, but it's probably good that I should. Am I right, David? Can I get an amen? <laughs> oh, sorry about that, but not really. Uh, <laughs> we probably need to move our bodies, right? We probably need to move. We probably need to get outside so that our bodies, which are the created, which are created and very good, would actually experience the, the other parts of God's creation. Let's get outside, breathe some fresh air. 
Another way that we can take care of our bodies practically is to speak kindly to our bodies and to speak kindly about our bodies. This is the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's made very good. You're made very good. Let's speak kindly to it and about it. And then, as Paul would say, run! Run from the things that would be um, detrimental to our bodies. Run from sin. Our bodies are God's good creation. How are we doing taking care of it? I'll let that sit for you. Second, we need to cherish our divine purpose for friendship. So Romans uh, 1 says that God placed spiritual mysteries in creation. That means that within you and within me and within our bodies, there is divine mysteries that are, that are pointing to God for all, uh, for all people. So we were created to know and reflect those spiritual mysteries through, and I'm just going to pick friendship. So in friendship, some, well, so in Christendom, we have this funky thing about friendship or we have this funky thing about relationships. And sometimes we assume that the most spiritual relationship that we could ever have is the relationship found in marriage. But that's not fully true. And in fact, that thought devalues friendship. And watch what Jesus did with his body. He had friends of the 12. He had his good close friends, Peter, James, and John. He was good friends with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, the fam. He was good friends, and he offered friendship to uh, people who were social outcasts. He befriended the lonely. He brought in close friends who were both men and women. Jesus cherished the spiritual mystery of friendship because he knew the importance of what it was reflecting. And what it was reflecting, we see in Romans chapter 5, which says, For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now that we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends with God. Our bodies have a divine purpose to reflect and emulate the spiritual mystery that is found in friendship. Now, friendship is not some crappy participation prize for being a follower of Jesus. Nor is friendship a waiting room to get married. That's not what friendship is. Jesus... He, he healed, he freed captives, he loved, he edified through his friends. And we can do that too. Now, studies have shown that friendships have actually decreased because um, by virtue of the hypersexualization of humanity. And so because we have identified all relationships, or not we, but like there is a general sense that relationships have been sexualized, we actually don't value good, good, fun friends. This is a very important theological concept that we find in Romans that we would be friends of God by God's grace. And as we function in friendship, that is our divine purpose to highlight the relationality of God. That's our divine purpose. And so my, my encouragement is that we would highly value Friendships, friendships with men, friendships with women, friendships if you're a guy, guy friendships, if friendships if you're a girl, girl friendships, to value these friends and these friendships so that when we would be like maybe David and Jonathan, we would point out the divine purpose of dedication to somebody. If maybe our friendships would look a little bit like Elizabeth and Mary, that we would celebrate the importance or we would recognize the importance of celebration. That if we were like Paul and Barnabas, that our friendships would emulate them and point to seeing the potential in people. That perhaps our friendships that looked like Jesus and Mary, that would point to the power of grieving together. And as we live in friendships, we would show that God is dedicated to us. 
that he celebrates with us, that he sees our potential, that he mourns with us. Our friendships show the divine mystery of God who makes himself a friend to us. I'd like to suggest that we cherish our divine purpose in friendship. Lastly, have grace for the grace receiver. Have grace. As I mentioned before, our bodies are the receiving means of God's grace. And this means that our bodies actually need grace. Oh, lame. Oh, like I wish that I wouldn't, I didn't have to receive grace, right? Has anybody had a familiar thought like this? I wish that my body was more perfect. <laughs> maybe you don't say it in those words, but maybe you would say something like, if I was more perfect, I wouldn't let people down. If I was more perfect, I wouldn't let myself down. If I was more perfect, I could be an expert on something and I wouldn't have to really do the work and I wouldn't never have to fail. I wouldn't lose my keys. For goodness sake, I wouldn't have to lose my keys. Ugh. I wouldn't say the things that I wish I didn't say. I wouldn't think the things that I wish I didn't think. I wish that I was a little bit more perfect. If our bodies were perfect, if we were perfect and we had no limitations whatsoever, we would never need God's grace and we would miss out. But that's not the way that God made our bodies, does it? He made our bodies incredibly capable and incredibly limited. Now, Rowan Williams, who's a theologian and a poet, writes this. The sense that human beings are limited and dependent is not, for religious believers, something humiliating or disempowering. It is simply an acknowledge of the way things are, which, like any apprehension of the truth, is liberating because it delivers us from aspiring to mystic goals of absolute human control or human over human destiny. We have been created with an attraction towards perfection, control, and destiny. There is an attraction. We have that pull, right? Who would say, I'm a perfectionist, right? Like we have that thing. Here's the thing, and this is where we get a little bit mixed up in this. While we have this attraction to perfection, control, and destiny, where we, where we trip up is we think that that's found in us. That's not found in us. The fact is our limited beings liberate us from the pressure of being perfect in control and having a full destiny. But what it does is it draws our attention to the one who is perfect who is in control, who does know the beginning and the end, who is limitless, and that's our God. Yes, we have an attraction towards perfection, control, destiny, but that is found in our God, not in us. And so God has created our bodies with limitations. You're supposed to be limited. We are supposed to be limited so that we can experience God's grace. So, Let's embrace our limitations a little bit. Now, this isn't a cop-out. This isn't for me to say, oh, just stop caring and don't put any effort in. No, 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 no. This is an in for you to recognize who God made you to be, to recognize that we have some limitations, but then to embrace and be fully receptive of God's mercy and grace. So there's my three thoughts. Our bodies are good, so let's care for them. Our bodies have a divine purpose. Let's cherish it. And our bodies are the means to receiving God's grace. So let's have a little bit of grace for our grace receivers. Amen? Amen. All right. At this time, I'm going to invite, we're going to change the scene. So we're going to get some people to move their bodies. And we're going to change the scene. As we change the scene, I'd like for you to note, oh, I totally forgot, but I'm pretty sure that you now have seen the number up above. So if you have some questions that you would like to talk about, about bodies or, uh, or how we relate to ourselves or how we understand who God has made us to be, you can uh, email that uh, number, which is... Um, 
Did I say email? Oh, psh, hello. Text the number. And, and then so how this is working as they move, Peter is sort of going to be your voice. He's going to be your voice because you've texted in the questions. He's going to be your voice. That's right. It is totally anonymous. We don't know who has sent in the questions. Sorry. Um, and so then he's going to ask Gavin and I some questions. And hopefully oh, that's yours. we can unpack some of these concepts that you care about. This is what I do promise. Our answers are probably not going to be fully sufficient for you. Great. Because here's the thing. On some of these questions, we, have, we want some like really hard and fast fundamental answers. But these are questions that don't have necessarily hard and fast fundamental answers. So you're going to have some grace for us. And we're going to have a little fun with it too. Sound good? Let's party. Woohoo! Woohoo! Two chapels, one week. It wasn't by choice. <laughs> it was them. We actually realized yeah, we earlier it. this week uh, that I was preaching on Monday. It's the week on, of Peter. Leading our RA meeting on Tuesday and then doing this on Wednesday. And he has no idea what's coming tomorrow. Uh, yeah. On top of all those book reports I mentioned, if you were at chapel on Monday. Oh. So we're here. We're here. We're chapel chats. Well, chapel chats. And I'm your voice via that number. Um, it does go to a little app, so it's all anonymous. So don't be like, oh, Peter's going to receive that it's me asking this question. So, like, I'll see that it's somebody asking That's exactly how you guys sound, uh, by the way. That is the way that they sound. Um, but this is week one, and then there will be week two. Uh, my body, somebody. So let's get into it. But please send questions so that I can be like, oh. Give me something to do on my computer. That's exactly how Peter sounds. Yeah, that's, that is exactly how I sound literally all the time, actually. Okay, okay, so week one, my body, somebody. My body. All about my, not my body, but like your body. Not about me. Our body. Our, our body. Um, so, Gav, Kim, as we've talked about our body, my body. Tell us, what has your journey been with your body? Graduating summit four million years ago, getting, <laughs> getting old, in some cases having kids and getting old, or staying young and living it up. How has your journey Somebody, with your body? Somebody, help me. Somebody, Somebody else want to host? <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> so, but tell us, what has your journey been with your body. Sure, yeah, I'll start. I'll just, Great. I'll just drink a little. Sure. Um, it's, it's gone through, like, this body has gone through stages and seasons of life as, like, sure, in aging from, like, young adult to adult. And I really, I remember when I was a student... I called it quarter-life crisis that I was going through, uh, not just for the sense of, like, what's taking place in my life, but, like, physically, I could notice a massive shift in what my body could handle from the age of 21 to 22. There was a big shift. Uh, and then I noticed a big shift at, like, the early 30s stages. So there's physical shifts <laughs> that you go through in life of what you can handle and what you can't, how easily you can get injured the older that you get, and how long recovery takes uh, post any type of form of exercise or sport. Uh, so there was lots of that. But I also noticed change in my life when, we, when I had kids, like when Rebecca had kids, our kids. Uh, you just, the demand on your body changes. Uh, so yes, stages and seasons in age, but also in uh, stages of life. Yeah, I think for me, um, I, my, probably the journey that my body, that I have had with my body is probably more of an emotional journey than an actual physical journey. However, that's been one too, where I think, I know, I have really uh, grown I have actually grown into my body in that I, I appreciate it. 
there were significant seasons, even while I was here at Summit as a student, where I did not appreciate my body. Um, I had some significant body image concerns and thoughts um, that I needed to wrestle with. And so as I've gotten older, um, I have addressed those, um, those narratives and those thoughts. And so it's been a bit of an emotional journey for me and my body. Um, like physically, now, my body, I care so much about my body's digestion, it's ridiculous. Like, the amount of times that I talk about fiber or, like, you know, you, you know, digestion things is, is probably too much. But, and, but I very much care about those kinds of things as I've gotten older. That's good. You do yeah. know which are the best fiber gummies, fiber, by the way. Oh, my gosh. If you want to know good fiber well, gummies, she's uh, the one to ask. I, w I will talk to you for, for many, many minutes about fiber gummies. Life-changing. That's good. <laughs> um, is Metamucil fiber? Yes. 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 And if so, yeah. is it as good as the commercials make it seem? No, Metamucil is horrible. Okay. It tastes horrible, but it is good for you. It also lowers cholesterol. Okay. Fiber well is what you want, though. Fiber one? Fiber well. Oh, fiber well. Fiber well. Oh, fiber you one. can get them at Walmart. They're $15.97. And if they were candy, I would eat them. But they're not candy. <laughs> they're fiber. So you could only have a couple. You could eat a lot if you eat a lot of food that doesn't have fiber. That's true. And then it's, true. it's just a happy medium. It's true. It's true. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Okay. Kim, earlier, you know, you were talking, and you talked about how our bodies are mentioning scripture, this, that, and the other. Our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. People love to get inked up. What's the view on that, eh? Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, tattoos and the body. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, like that... Um, there are many people who have different feelings about that. I don't have any. You have? One. One. Well, if you count each letter, mm. there's a lot. You've got a few. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It was all done at one time. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, some people go right back to those Old Testament texts about not marking our bodies. Um, I also think about how um, when we use scripture, you know, sometimes there's also texts about how, um, how God, like, marks us, which is an out of, completely out of text, which the point is both are out of text. Um, and so the concept, I think, I think my, my, this is, this is probably the concern. I have no issue. Probably my concern is, um, like, I know that getting tattooed can you can get you a bit of like a buzz and a high, and um, and like you get like jazzed out of it. And so, if that's the case, I would probably I probably have some caution if that's the reason why we're going towards tattooing. If just for that like like adrenaline rush of tattooing. Um, but that would be my caution. Yeah, I would state that with the Levitical law concept, we are under the new covenant and new law, so it wouldn't be as sharp as a law of a right or wrong. Uh, but I would go along the same lines as not just tattoos, but also piercings as well. And I pierced my ears as well. Uh, that if it is done out of a form of like creative expression, that's one thing. But if it's done out of a form of like personal torture or the high, or the way that you abuse your body. I think you could abuse it by over-piercing or over-tattooing or over any form of like physical harm towards your body on an increased level that I think we were going too far in that regard. Mm. I will say, my ears were pierced with a thumbtack and an earring. Somewhere in and around this campus. <laughs> <laughs> So <laughs> you're gonna all of a sudden get confession uh, texts <laughs> right, now too. Right? Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Oh boy. Okay. This was. Uh, this is a good one. How much time do each of you spend looking at yourself in the mirror in a day? <laughs> <laughs> well, less now that I don't have any hair on the top of my head. Um, but I have a funny story about this. So. Um, like, we all look at ourselves in the mirror every single day. Like, every single person who has a mirror does that. Uh, we, like, I think it gets to the point where it can get obsessive with selfies and social media. Uh, but I had, uh, I remember in high school, uh, French class. Anybody take French class? 
Okay. And like there were, I don't remember anything, unfortunately, um, but there were like sayings that you like had to do and had to say and repeat. And one of the things that my French teacher made sure that we knew how to say was French was uh, like looking at myself in the mirror. I don't remember what that saying is today, but it was like a required saying in French class that we had to talk about. We looked ourselves in the mirror because everybody looks at themselves in the mirror. And I just thought it was a random concept. But the reality is, is we all do look at ourselves in the mirror. And I think we all should look at ourselves in the mirror because I think there's a way that we can actually find acceptance by just being able to look at ourselves in the mirror because many don't want to look at themselves in the mirror. And so there's a place, I think, of, of real acceptance that we can find. I, I don't think we should um, idolize it. I don't think we should hate it, but we need to come to a place where we can truly accept who we see in the mirror. Yeah. I think I had the, the girl raise over at my house once, and I think it might have been Lauren, but I might, it might be wrong. But I think she commented on how many mirrors I had in my house. And then I had this thought of like, shoot, do I look at myself in the mirror too much? Oh, no. Uh, and I don't think so. But, um, okay, so my mirror story is my eyebrows are two different shapes and two different colors. And so I spend significant amount of time in the morning... <laughs> looking at my eyebrows, trying to get them to look semi the same, semi the same color. And so... And siblings, then, not twins. That's what you're going for, I that's, hear. Yes. Yeah, siblings, not twins. Um, and not attached, for sure. Mm. Um, uh, thank you for laughing at that. And so anyways, like, there is this moment where I, like, step back and I go, all right. Um, and, and, it's, and it sort of is that, like, lovingly, loving acceptance of, of my face, of my body. And, uh, and so I don't know how many minutes I spend. It usually takes me about 20 minutes to 35 minutes to get ready in the morning. And that's probably where I spend the majority of my time in front of a mirror. Mm. Gav, you didn't give us numbers, if I recall. I didn't, no. Like, if we were to get down to, like, hard numbers here. Hard numbers. I, like, depending on the days, if I have to shave my head or not, I've got a little mirror that I, like, shave my head in mm. front of mm -hmm. and brush my teeth, a little bit of You have a dedicated head shaving wash. mirror. I do, yeah. Oh. Uh, well, here's the thing. Not to get too personal, but, like, I hate, like, shave clippings around a sink cannot handle it. It's mm. disgusting. I've lived through that once, one year here. <laughs> no names. So I have, a, I have a little, like, you know, a face mirror in the shower. So I can shave my head and trim my beard in the shower and then have a shower and it just goes down the drain. And because it's short little clippings, mm. it doesn't clog it up. I'm good to go. Short little clippings, not long hairs down the drains. Hope you're using those drain things we gave you in mm -hmm. September. Anyways. I like okay. the we as in yeah. like. <laughs> well, they. They gave you. We being RAs distributed. Yes. But we didn't pay for them. It wasn't even our idea. They just showed up. Okay. So, looking at yourself in the mirror, sometimes difficult when self-image isn't, uh, when your self-image and the way that you see your body is sometimes uh, not great. And so... Uh, like Kim, you mentioned, our bodies are good, and God knows that our bodies are good, and therefore our bodies are good, but sometimes we can struggle with our own bodies. How do we, like, remedy and, like, bring that together? And, like, God says that our bodies are good, but we see our bodies in a different way. How do we remedy that? Yeah. Yeah, and too, like, truthfully, that's a hard go, right? Like, that's a hard go. We, um... Like, we are surrounded by uh, messages that are external that say our bodies, a, a, a woman's body should look this way, or a man's body should look this way. And we value the way that certain bodies look. And the reality is, is like, we, that's, like, it's, it's, it's unrealistic. The reality is, is it's not real. And so then we are constantly processing this, the imagery of what and what this body, what we're supposed to look like, that then gets internalized, right? So not only is that external, but then we're internalizing that message and saying, my body should look this way. My body should look this way. 
And, uh, and what that does is it completely um, excludes the creativeness and the creativity of our God, right? Completely. And, we, and what that does is it takes away, because we don't see the creativity of our God and the diversity of his creativity, it removes any sense of joy and beauty in the different types of bodies that he has made. Like, our world is completely populated with beautiful, wonderful people who look so differently. But if we have one picture of one idea of what our bodies are supposed to be, which isn't the biblical concept, it's just like one, one concept of a body, and we have to be that. It's, it's just not living up, not like living into who God has created us to be. I think, too, how do we do that? I think, too, uh, sorry, Go ahead. but I think, too, we can also... Um, something that really helped me out as I embraced my body is I just t- took a look at family photos and I was like, you know what? Like, this, maybe this is too much information. I just have the same rump as everybody else in my, in my family. There's no way that my... I'm not going to have this rear. It's going. It's mine. It's my family's. I am. I've been gifted this. <laughs> Too much information. Anyways, and so, <laughs> yes, Kim. Yes. Yeah. Too much information. But part of it is to accept that, like, like this is the beauty of then even where where we've been co- created from. Right? Like, that's part of it, too. And to accept, like, oh, there is so much more beauty in the diversity of God and, and his diverse creativity. And then, like, we probably look a lot like our family members. And that's, a, that's great. Anything else? It's funny. When you're talking about rumps and rears, you can see people, like, <laughs> squirming in their seats oh, like this. They're that, uncomfortable. That made me feel uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, I think, like, it, it is a journey, like, that's how we have to look at it. Yeah. It's not in the sense of, like, we have made it and arrived. It's like, this is a journey that, that we get to be on of self-realization, of self-acceptance. And yes, in the sense of, like, okay, we can have negative, like, perceptions of ourselves, of, like, I'm not tall enough, I don't have hair on the top of my head, it fell to the bottom of it, whatever. Like, certain things like that. We can also go on the flip side of it and say, oh, it really doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And we can go so far that way that we completely give up as well. And so we need to be careful on both sides of it in that idolization of like the perfect being that I think I can be to it really doesn't matter at all. Because it also does. Self-image, self-health, physical health, emotional health, it all matters. And so it's a journey to get there. And to shame ourselves that we're not here uh, or we're way over here or way over here is not going to help. We have to say, I'm on a journey of finding true health as I look at myself in the mirror to accept who I see. Can I add one more thing to that journey? Uh, it never ends because our bodies ends. change. Like yeah. God has designed our bodies to change. They mm-hmm. He, that is the way by God's grace so that we can do the things that he has designed for us to do. Women's bodies will change so that because we are, we are built for, um, to be able to be pregnant and have children, our bodies will change. Fun, fun story. This is weird. I don't know if you experienced this, Gav, but like men's bodies actually bulk up mm-hmm. when, when their wives um, yes. are during pregnancy. And, they, and it's, their bodies are preparing um, for like to be a father. Yeah. Like it's really, our bodies change. And then even as we get older, our bodies change again. We will get hair where we, where we don't want hair. We will lose hair where we want hair. Like... Like, our bodies are constantly changing. And so it was too much information. No. Um, but, like, that it's will... True. And so the journey is, is, is for the rest of our lives. The journey of self-acceptance will be... Dad bod is scientific. Dad, dad bod. bod. <laughs> Love the dad bod. That's what I'm getting. So I got some... Thanks for the questions, guys. I'm getting so many fun ones. Um, 
got a couple questions. Uh, one of the questions um, kind of was around like uh, like modesty and like the way that people dress, like how. Oh boy, let me see if I can find this question. Um, but another question that kind of in my mind was along the same vein was um, how should Christians interact with and view like the modeling industry? And is it okay if Christians engage in the modeling industry as like a model or like, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you're going to have a wide array of, of responses to that subject. Because um, scripturally, it's pretty like hard and fast on the fleeing from sexual immorality. There's scripture that Paul uses about modesty in the culture at that time uh, within the church, and not even just towards females, but towards men as well. Uh, in the concept of head coverings when you pray, men are to not have their head covered, women were to have their head covered, uh, and we do like neither of that in culture today. Uh, so there's lots of cultural pieces that play into that. Uh, I think we need to be cautious is the word that I think we should use in our culture, is we need to be cautious of our own hearts uh, and our own um, intentions in what we are going in for and why we are viewing. And the reality is, is we live in a very over-sexualized, over-stimulated culture. Like, um, like you had, I think you had mentioned even in the concept of friendships, Friendships are so difficult today because the over-sexualization, like how many of you, and I'm going to even say it's probably predominantly more in females, say, okay, when I see a guy, I'm concerned about being a friend with them because I'm wondering if they're going to think they can date me or not, right? Like that's a, that's a question that comes into our head constantly. Or we see a person, and one of the first thoughts we have, is this somebody that I can see myself with in the future? Like instantly we go there. And... and so we do the same thing, whether it's modeling, whether it's oh, any form of fashion, modest or immodest. Uh, we, we honestly have sexualized lenses that we go into it with. And so we really need to pull back and say, what are my intentions for it? Because I don't think it's just inherently wrong. It's not. But it could be wrong depending on your intentions and reasons for it. Yeah. Looking at our time, bouncing off sexuality, we have a lot of questions about like how you as a single person, Kim, you mentioned in your message, you said, why is my body sexual when I'm not married? A good question. Also, like how do you interact with the sexual desires of your body? Lots of questions about like masturbation. What does the Bible have to say about it? What do we have to say about it? Like what's what's what? Um, So like... If you guys want to try and tackle that. Yeah. Great. It's good to tackle this. Yeah. It's good to tackle this because our sexuality is good. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, like, I've heard it said, like, why? If I'm single, why do I need to have sexual attraction and sexual desires? Why, do I, why am I a sexual being if I'm not... If, not, if I'm not allowed to be sexually active, why am I sexual, right? Mm-hmm. And um, our sexuality is not bad. That is, again, that's a part of the gifting and who God has created us to be. And there are things that we don't necessarily need to engage all the time. Our sexuality is one of those things, right? Our sexuality, I would also... Okay, so that's point, half point one. I would also say that sexuality is not just about sex, right? We, there is, um, because in our sexuality, what we have related our, because our, the whole sexualization of in our world, we have related our sexuality with sex, point blank. So that has heightened, like, Um, relationships out of marriage, that has heightened masturbation, that has heightened pornography, right? So that just, we associate sexuality with sex. But our sexuality is is also about connection and unity and and bonds that we have with each other and and relationships. That's right. Intimacy. And so we can, through friendship, we can build friend, we can build that intimacy with people. And it actually does, like, 
hit some of that like that felt need that we have in the I you know I have these desires well like hang out with a friend gosh darn it right like <laughs> like that's really that's a really helpful a really helpful thing of even just hanging out with friends um uh, that's all I'm going to say. Yeah, look, the Bible doesn't specifically speak on masturbation, but there's some clear uh, teachings in Scripture that it's not just the physical act, but even our mind of lust is sinful. And, you, and to masturbate without lusting is impossible. I don't care who says otherwise, I stand on the side that's impossible. And so looking at pornography, all that kind of stuff, lust happens in our hearts and our minds, and therefore it's sin, and we need to repent and confess of it. Yes, there are those desires, but I, I think those desires come from an honest desire of intimacy. It's just a perversion of an honest desire is what happens in our culture, in our lives, in our bodies. And I believe scripturally speaking, we have the, the fruit of the Spirit alive and active inside of us. Self-control is one of those wedges of the fruit of the Spirit that the Spirit has given us, that we can have control over our bodies and our sexual desires. And so the Lord helps us with that. Um, he provides for us. And I think if we really pull it back and say, why am I feeling these feelings? It's because there's a true desire for connection and intimacy in you, which is a beautiful thing. And to remind ourselves, that's actually what I want, not just this physical fulfillment. I actually want intimacy. Because the reality is if I just have this physical like, desire and I act in it and release that, all that's going to do is compound it to make it more difficult the next time. It doesn't actually erase that desire. We have that desire built in us for intimacy and connection. And we can find that through good friendships. We can find that through good conversations, uh, finding levels of trust and vulnerability and authenticity with good friends. We can really hit that need of intimacy prior to that of a marriage relationship. Mm. Can I say one more thing? Absolutely. I was just thinking about the fruit of the spirit. Um, like self-control is not the only wedge um, that actually is, is functioning. Like even when we think about intimacy or like a longing, a longing that, that cannot be like achieved in the moment and we need to engage with the fruit of the spirit, like just thinking it through, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control, all of those fruit relate to how we respond to a longing well. that we cannot engage with just yet. So it's not just, for, it's it, like, it, we're not just ringing the bell of, of um, self-control. Yeah. It's Spirit living, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, like all of that, and faithfulness, all of that. Sorry, yeah, all of that is like helps us in that longing. Does anybody know the song? The fruit of the spirit's not a coconut. The fruit of the spirit's not a coconut. You be a coconut. That's all I know of it. You might as well hear it. Can't be a fruit of the spirit because the fruit is love, joy, peace, which is kind of good. We don't have time for this. Let's go. We don't. We don't. 12 minutes to my shift in the office. Peter's got to get to the security booth in 12 minutes. To the office, not the booth. Oh, sorry. Wrong job. Sheesh. Okay. You talked about lust, and you talked about it, Gavin, the context of like masturbation. Lust is just an inevitable part of it. How do you differentiate... Uh, lust between a healthy love between like a spouse or like somebody who is in you're in a dating relationship with a fiance like how do you differentiate lust and like healthy love ultimately the spirit's conviction in our heart ultimately it has to land on that like it like I remember a moment in my life um, where I was able to, uh, the, by the Lord's blessing, um, was able to look at a, a woman and acknowledge her beauty without a lustful thought. Oh my goodness, what a freeing experience that was. Like a massive freeing experience. That I could, like again, not to objectify, but to physically look, because we have you know, physical bodies, and we see and we look. And I remember the moment, the feeling. I don't remember the day, I don't remember what age I was, but I remember that moment of like, 
holy cow, I can actually acknowledge the beauty in this person without like having a lustful thought or a sexual thought. It was so liberating. And it was only through the Spirit. Mm. It was only through the Spirit. Like, it's hard to just say like, this is lust and this isn't lust. Like we, we just, we can't do that. It has to go to a place of soul level spirit conviction that we have to be like in tune with the Lord and present and listening and hearing that. And then if we, if we go too far into the lustful side, it's a Lord, please forgive me. And he, he does and brings can, like repentance into our heart, desire for, for a, a closer relationship with him and then a blessing and maturing uh, in your life. And so if, if you aren't at that point yet, and you know what? I wasn't there when I was a student here. Uh, it, was, it was actually post-marriage, because temptation still exists when you get married. Uh, but I do remember that moment, uh, and thank the good Lord for his grace in, in our lives. Mm-hmm. The tough thing is, many questions, not enough time, but also questions, thoughts. Like, there's so many questions, and oftentimes we want fundamental answers mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to non-fundamental questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and things aren't as black and white as we would hope. Mm-hmm. And we do have another week. And we have another week! <laughs> yeah, we do have another week, and next week we're going to talk along the lines of how we view other people. And so it'll be a little bit more um, community-based relationships, uh, not just the relationship with ourselves. Uh, and so we'll, we'll have a bit of the same method, uh, and then uh, we're going to make sure we have a longer question time, though, next week, because this is the introduction week and stuff like that. So any final thoughts, Kim? No, it's great. Great. Thank you both for coming to my interview. <laughs> <laughs> so this week, uh, please continue to send in questions. Um, and if you think there might be too many questions, you're right. Uh, but we can at least still, if you send a question in, we can like form questions, lump them together and make a question that we believe could answer multiple of the questions that are asked. Um, so please send them in this week. We do have another guest host next week, it's not uh, me. which will be really fun. It's not Peter. And uh, anyways, can we pray? Peter, can you pray over us and conclude our, our evening Absolutely. together? Absolutely. God, thank you that we got to gather here together and that we got to uh, learn about you and learn about uh, our bodies and how we uh, interact with them, God. Uh, I pray that, uh, yeah, we would be honoring to you as we honor our bodies and uh, continue to learn, God. Uh, I thank you for your grace and your mercy and your forgiveness for when we fall short and make mistakes, God. I pray that as we continue on uh, in our lives, we continue to grow more like you. Bless us. Bless us with lots of fun questions over the week, for next week, and that we would have a great rest of our evening. In your name, amen. 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 Thanks, guys. Thanks for coming to chapel.